Hello, this is Ken, your podcast preacher, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is War, Dumb and Wisdom. So who wins in your decisions? The dumb you, who often acts independently in a spirit of pride and inflated self-confidence? Or the wise you, that seeks to communicate and involve others, who are added wisdom in your decision-making endeavors. Did you know that the dumb you is at war with the wise you? Did you know that the lack of understanding knowledge part of you, and we can all, at some point in time, fall into that box, is at war with the current level of understanding of the knowledge that you have knowledgeable you? Yes, the twin sisters named stupid and dumb are at war with you, attacking your communication center. What? Don't we have wars in the natural that tell us that communication, or the lack thereof, wins or loses wars? Listening, hearing, and seeing, when in action, are the greatest weapons we have for fighting this war. So now you know that one of the greatest battles you will face is making wise decisions over dumb ones. And the results you got will tattle and tell you who was zooming who. Look, Ephesians 2, 1, 3. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now I already did a message titled Fearsdom, when fear gets confused as wisdom, in which I discuss at length wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and instruction. But so in this case, it's not a repeat of that message. Nope. I got this Easter morning in 2022 and thought I might pull back the veil of war so that you understand which position you are taking in the battle when you operate from the flesh. Look again. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Seems easy enough, although we should have and speak the mind of Christ after we have been authentically born again. We at times reproduce the arm of the flesh, which always leads to the manifestation of stupidity or dumb acts. Look thrice, 1 Corinthians 1.25 Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This is why I say that if you are authentically born again, then you should as much depends on you, make wise and prudent decisions, and win the battle against stupidity. Look forth, Steve. Proverbs 12.1 Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I always thought that was funny to read that word stupid in the Bible, but it's in there. You see, stupidity follows a person who is it all figured out and feels the need to include no one in the affairs of his or her decisions. Think about how many arguments you have had with other people, not with yourself whereby eventually you came to the conclusion that you were wrong, but continued to defend your position anyways. Is that classified as smart or dumb? Let's see what or how Paul describes this war in your members. Romans 7.23 But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Wait, but so I am fighting against myself? Yes, now that you are born again, your old man is fighting against your new man. Now you know where the kid bickering line 
stop hitting me, stop hitting me, stop hitting me came from. Romans 6.6 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Ephesians 4.17 And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. The old man is a dumb old mule, self-willed and all about rebellion type of person. See, even Peter agrees and warns us of the old man. 2 Peter 2.10 And especially those who walk according to the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. So you see, you can only act one of two ways on this planet, regardless of what you do or say about yourself, and regardless of all of what good things you have done. You fall into the new man or the old man category. Now as a believer, I'm on a journey to recognize this. And so whenever my old man is tested to manifest, I can pass the test by responding in wisdom, which oftentimes happens by refraining from talking at all. A silent response is sometimes the most difficult one to give. And when we don't, it can also be the most damaging and require years of repair. So now let's see the reality of a dumb tongue through the mouth of James. James 1, 2, 9, 20, 26, 27, 3, 1, 18. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith reproduces patience. Help, I'm falling into trials and I can't get up. <laughs> Seems a bit ironic that I should be but falling into trials and not just walking into them. At any point, the point I'm making about this point is that it points to the fact that you will be tested with trials to increase your faith, just slow enough to produce faith. Verse 4, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I did a message which in part discusses being perfect, sinless, righteous, blameless, holy, etc. As if we needed more of what seems to be impossible descriptors, right? At any rate, this should be enough for you to want to be patient. If you lack this trait, then you probably didn't make it this far into the message, so you may not know anyways. But so if you have made it this far, then you have done a good thing, as this one point is enough to combat against stupidity and dumbness. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Okay, so God, this is coming off a little sharp. Can we gently ease into what you are trying to teach us here? I should talk, right? Now I don't know where James got this analogy other than maybe the Sea of Galilee, but I think about what he may have been watching as he was in the boat with Jesus sitting there while Jesus was sleeping on his my pillow, watching a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Perhaps he asked, what good does a wave that has no purposeful direction good for? It helps not to get the boat to its intended destination. It just goes wherever the wind decides it should go. Surface confusion. I think about the movie The Perfect Storm, and it still takes my breath away that the ocean can be so unstable such as to create such enormous waves in what seems like just one minute, and in another be like glass.
So how does this translate into our lives? What does a life of instability look like? If you're not sure, then you should probably wait Jesus and ask him. If he's not available, then ask a good buddy who knows you and is paying attention to your life. By the way, Jesus is always available. Now, your good buddy system should include authentically born-again believers so that they don't make things worse. And yes, smart friends not connected to God can make things a lot worse. Remember, there are many who are trying to get into heaven but will not be able. Luke 13, 24. Why? Because they are doing their version of Christianity, absent of the will and instruction from God. Matthew 7, 21, 24. It is these that should be called wave starters, and they do so to feed the winds of confusion that will ensure your situation doesn't get any better, but begins to look like their own, kind of out of control. Misery loves company, right? I know it sounds like I'm rambling, but this point is serious because we are not naturally inclined to go to those who can really help. Because like the Pharisees, when they heard the truth, they became offended. So will we, and we do. Good Christian friends don't just tell you what you want to hear, but also, and maybe in greater measure, what you need to hear. Wave bye-bye. Verse 9. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with the burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls, and its beautiful appearance perishes, so the rich man will also fade away in his pursuits. Now this is telling, as we rich Christians can get sideways with the pursuit of money as well. You see, money oftentimes acts like a very needy friend or baby, always requiring your attention. It is so difficult to manage a life of great resources and grow effectively in God. But, and I say but, if you are called to it, God will equip you to handle it. Just don't chase it down when it sprouts wings and flies away. Proverbs 23, 4-5 Do not overwork to be rich. Because of your own understanding, cease. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle towards heaven. Overtime, by its very nature, is working over the top of your allotted time to get the job or task done. It is an exchange whereby to trade your own personal time for more money. Even the government thinks it's a bad idea to work OT, as the tax rate is higher on OT than it is on regular time. Strange system. You get paid time and a half, but only to have to give more of it back. And yet this is not enough of a deterrent for people to volunteer to give their time for the money. I know there are some who have to work OT because the company requires it, maybe the career requires it, and although all OT should be volunteer, some of it is not. What I have discovered is that most of what I have purchased in my life ended up in a yard or garage sale, and still I have much that I couldn't give away. Anyway, money is a very big topic, and this space is inefficient to cover it well, so off I go on a wing and a prayer. Back to the scripture, verse 12. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, 
brings forth death. Speaking of flapping away, if I were to get a report card for how well I endured temptation, I am afraid it would look like a field of Fs, a whole crop of them, perhaps a passing grade here and there, but for the most part, Fs. But now you see, this is where the lockjaw tendency is needed. In your weakness, you must not turn from God, but to Him, in spite of the Fs. He is most waiting. Nope, He is running to us when we are returning from the pig pen. This too is discussed in another message, so I skim upon it and leave you with the hope that you will want to listen to more of my messages. Verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now it seems that James goes from difficult to manage, to more difficult to manage, to what may even seem impossible to do. And yet we must have this discussion as you cannot grow up on milk. You can start there, but you cannot finish there. Well, you can. But as I have stated before, you don't want to go to heaven as a baby unless you are actually a baby. Now, I have practiced this Jamie scripture in my own life, as I see that it is what most people want. They just want to know that someone hears them. Oh, I've been a part of so many conversations where there is a verbal competition going on, and no one is listening to anyone. There are no winners. When no one is listening, only wieners. What's worse is that there are real issues buried within the boasting and complaining. But it has been my experience. No one is in the conversation to help and to grow one another. They just want to be heard for their many words. Now I just don't know what to do with the wrath comment, as it seems that he is saying it's okay. But just wrath slowly. But then he goes on to say that he doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Quandary. Maybe James knows us better than we know ourselves, and figures we were wrath, so but just be slow about it. Perhaps in doing so we gain patience, which I think is where we started this journey in James in the first place. Verse 26, If anyone among you thinks he is religious, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So again, we start to get to the root of the cause of stupidity. I know, right? It is like if you just didn't allow your emotions to open up your trap out of season, you could avoid the dumb moments in life. I think a key James is giving us in this passage is to stay busy in what counts, and you will be less likely to get into trouble. Rogue waves feed the winds looking up to stir trouble. So is a tongue that believes it has a right to talk and defend a rogue offense. Chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. I did, I have, I want, I will, I achieve, or statements like I want are not in the Bible, as positive attributes to strive for. And you see how they leave no room for anyone to interject any thoughts in the conversation. 
So what usually happens is that one person goes first, then the other. For some of us, I suspect that we would have to relearn vocabulary if we were to exclude these statements from our speeches. Now, yes, I suppose I will is not so bad as long as it leads to the will of God being in your I will statement. I will win the world or I will win my city for Jesus. Yes, I'm clowning, but you get the idea. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of inequity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Okay, so I think James went over the top on this one. I mean, how do we get from working to be patient to your tongue as a Godzilla to the earth? Well, now, if we're honest, James is right. What makes this section of scripture so true is that the trouble really lies in our emotions. Once they get stirred up, no ship on the sea can survive, and emotions need to be released. Just ask them in your fit of rage, and so it is that the tongue is a willing utensil that is more than happy to chop it up. I know we should also focus on the good things that people say, but oftentimes this too is driven by negative emotions, driven by how we are feeling in a specific moment of time. I'm really trying to find a way to let us off the hook just a little and I can't seem to find the release button. I imagine the scenario whereby if and when our emotions get whipped up, we simply lead them to the place of peace. No talking or writing, just leading. No fighting or violent acts, just leading. But so this may not work as body language is roughly 80 to 90% of our communication. And some of us have little to no control over our body language, especially when we are confronted with the truth or correction. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Okay, so now we get to the helpful stuff, right? Again, I have a whole message on wisdom, so I won't go too deep here. Remember, we are on the topic of remaining stupid or winning the battle and becoming wise. Verse 14, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. What I find strange in a weird sort of way is how easy it is for us to get sideways, even though we are authentically born again. But so strange is a Christian who is acting demonically. Oh, don't think that is possible? Let us learn together. Matthew 16:23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, whether he was actually in Peter or just influencing him is irrelevant, isn't it? Still don't think it's possible? Anytime you are not producing the fruit of the Spirit, you are operating outside of the Holy Spirit, which means you are back 
for however long you choose, in the flesh. That means you are being influenced by the devil and not God. Can anyone escape this? I believe we all fall into this trap sooner or later as Christians. It's okay. God has you, and he knows you. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow, I want to make peace. But I suppose that it would really be God who is doing the making. I would just be positioning myself to allow him to do the work in me. Ephesians 4.17 This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind. What I notice today more than ever, and maybe it's just a simple fact that knowledge is increasing, and people make money based on what they know, is that people actually rely on and depend on their mind. They actually depend on the knowledge they have. And what I don't understand is how they can somehow think that they have all the knowledge they need to make really wise decisions. It is impossible. When I was going through school, I remember thinking one day as I was getting closer to graduation that I would end up with just one degree, two years of work, one degree, and that there were thousands and thousands of degrees out there all across the world. How much information I did not know was actually just taking my breath away. I couldn't imagine that I had gained anything in just two years. That's what education is supposed to teach you. Unfortunately, today, people believe that what they know at their current stage in life is enough to keep them out of trouble, and it doesn't. Now, there's a bunch of tongue scriptures in James, which is why I tried to break it down within the story itself. The point is that if you want to act stupid and dumb, God will let you. But you should know that it's not the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's the other guy. There is a difference between the worldly you and the saved you, and eventually people will need to see the difference. Otherwise, you are not going to make a difference in anyone's life. Besides, everyone should know that you will become that which you practice. Don't practice stupidity and dumbness. Otherwise, it is exactly how you will behave and the results you will get. Well, that's it for today. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from them. Together, we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of life to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe buttons. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.